That's that's what I'm I'm kind of thinking <laughs> with that big whammy last note. That's the theme song. That is the theme song for the ADL Driftwood podcast. A day in the life, Mister Driftwood. That's me. Uh, how you doing? Uh, I haven't recorded that song yet, so that's the version. Just just me. Do you want to hear it again? Yeah, I came up with that one day, and and believe it or not, uh, just just humming it like that. That was it. That's the song. And my kids, um, my daughter, who's five, she's uh, she's got perfect pitch. She's kind of special. Okay, uh, she's just a little bit special. Um, I say that sometimes to be facetious about it. Uh, she's quite gifted, uh, except people think that I'm being serious, and then uh, and then I look like the douche that I'm trying to make fun of. One of those helicopter parents. Anyway, um, she really does have a, a very good ear for music. Like it is essentially perfect pitch. When she starts singing a song, it's always in the key that it's in, or whatever key she's learned it in. And she remembered that song. She goes, Daddy, remember the song? It's got a kind of Almond Brothers, especially the part that goes. There's, there's an A Bros song that has that riff. And I can't remember what one it is. And I actually, I just, I've been too lazy to listen to the Almond Brothers kind of don't like the Almond Brothers. I'm going to come out there and say it. I, I like them, but like one song. You know what I mean? I don't mean one particular song. I mean like I can handle them for one song. And hopefully it's not that Ramblin' Man one. Um, or Melissa. I don't know. Is anyone else with me on this? Like, I want to like them because I love the whole idea of the harmony guitar. I'll tell you what album I like by the Abros is, uh, I think it's called Live Somewhere in San Francisco. Oh, man. I have it somewhere. And um, it's, uh, I've got it. Where the heck do I have it? Like on one of my old drives or... I could find I could find it if I needed to, uh, you know. And maybe I'll put a link to it in the description, uh, or maybe I won't. I don't know. But uh, there's a there's a live version that starts with I think it's called not Folsom Prison Blues. Man, I have lost all traction already. How far are we into us? Three minutes and thirty seconds. Bye, goodbye, listeners. Um, get it back together. Let's get back on track. Anyway, there's a live album of the Abros. I love. I love the. Um, the slide guitar, but on the whole, um, you know, not the way that I love, you know, say Tom Petty or Dylan and stuff like that. I mean, I like them. I like them enough. Maybe what it is is classic rock radio has killed them for me because of that classic rock format. They did that with Zeppelin too. They just, they kill bands for you because they pick four songs and they, that's all they ever play by them. Because like, like I said, that live version is um, Statesboro Blues. That's the name of the song. Oh, thank God. Statesboro Blues is the song that it opens up. And it's killer slide guitar. It's, it's like where Derek Trucks got his whole shtick from. It's wicked. All right. Um, good coffee. I'm sitting here in the sunshine. Everyone's taken off to their respective jobs and schools and whatever, workish, And I've got the house to myself and it's the most wonderful time of the day. It's 10.30 in the morning. I'm sitting in the sun and I'm sipping what's essentially my first coffee. Whoa, that was my foot on the coffee table there. 
my first coffee, really. Uh, haven't had anything. I had kind of one earlier, but it doesn't count because uh, I was looking after the kids and trying to get them in the car, and it went cold. And speaking of cold coffee, uh, then they they all went out, and I went for a mountain bike ride. And I just got back and have showered now and cleaned off the bike and I'm getting ready to do my thing. And I thought, well, I'm going to sit down because this is when I have the most energy. I'm in the best mood. I'm going to I'm going to bang out this first this first one. I'm, I'm going to do it. I'm not going to swear. Keep the language clean. And I'm just going to go ahead and get the first one into the phone. I'm going to sip my coffee while I do it. Sitting here in the sun, the sky's gone blue, it goes gray, blue, gray, blue. It luckily didn't uh, shower rain on me while I was out there. And uh, this is what I'm going to do. So I have one in the can and uh, I've practiced this a few times. Uh, Can you tell? (laughs) I think this is going pretty good. (laughs) Look, uh, it is what it is, okay? You got to do a lot of these things to get better. I have figured out things uh, along the way. I've figured out that I don't want to well, if I swear, then I want to bleep it out. So then I've got to go through with a fine tooth comb and put a bleep over it. So it's just easier to try not to swear. And um, I'm going to try not to say um too much or smack my lips. But both of those things are kind of habitual and more like a tick than anything. So I've written out some points to kind of go through. And uh, I'm trying to do the whole thing from my phone as much as possible on my phone. Oh, I never talked about the speaking of cold coffee. By the time I finally got back and had my coffee, uh, it was cold. The coffee maker had turned it off and so I've nuked this coffee. So it actually tastes pretty gross, but I wasn't up for making another pot. So it is what it is. Anyway, I've printed out the, um, I've printed out a few topics that I wanna discuss. And uh, I printed from my phone because one of the rules that I've made for myself, besides not swearing, not smacking my lips too often, not saying, um, is there a few other rules? I'm going to try not to call people out by name, okay? Because not saying anything negative about anyone or anything is going to be way too hard. And I don't want to be like entertainment tonight. So instead, I'm just going to try not to... Just if I if some if I do call someone a douche, that's one of the words I'm gonna allow. I don't think it's a bad word. You know, the Dutch use it synonymous for for wash. You know, I like to douche in the shower. So, so I think that one's fine. That's gonna go in place of a lot of words. I think. Anyway, if I do want to call someone out for being the douchebag that they are, um, I'm not gonna say their name. All right. Let's move on. So I printed off a list of topics from my phone. I've never done that before. It was quite a heady experience. And uh, yeah, you just go into the notes app up in the right corner there. Look down, save to font. What is it? They have to make it too many steps. Of course, there can't be a print button right there. It's got to be like explore this thing or whatever. I don't know. It's a few steps in and then, and then it's print. What printer do you want to go to? Yes, this one. Go. And it did it, I printed it off, and it came out in really nice font. I mean, big. It's like old guy font, and I appreciate that. I don't have to put on my glasses to read this. It's the size of like one of my <laughs> one of my daughter's like early learning reader books. Like that's the size of the font. It's fantastic. So hey, new life hack. There you go. So anyway, um look, we'll we'll just get started with what this is about, as you can see right now, it's about drinking coffee, dogs, daughters, New York. Um, have you ever seen Coffee Talk? That was on um, Saturday Night Live back in the classic era, Mike Myers. And uh, I don't know if you remember that skit, Coffee Talk, Coffee Talk. It started out with Paul Baldwin and then it switched to Linda Richmond. I don't know if you remember that little detail, but... I recall, that's right when I started watching uh, Saturday Night Live, because it's, um, well, a a little bit, that's a little bit after. I started watching it, Dana Carvey, The Church Lady. Um, But yeah, coffee, coffee talk. And this is my version of coffee talk.
Uh, it's about a day in the life. That's what it is. ADL Driftwood, a day in my life. And it's boring and it's frustrating and it's going to be frustrating to listen to. Are you frustrated yet? <laughs> um, it's about me trying to live, uh, live my best life. How annoying was that? It's about me trying not to annoy people, but still to have a voice. Um, and now it's really not a good time for middle-aged white guys to have a voice. Um, it seems like most of the internet wishes that we would go away. But I'm still, I'm big. Uh, yeah, I'm still here. And I'm, uh, you know, I don't, I don't really care who listens to this. I'm not trying to, it's not a, it's not a big money maker for me. This is just a kind of journal that I'm keeping. It's um, maybe to, oh, here comes another douche term. Accountability. Do you like that word? Keep myself accountable for, yeah, the lifestyle. I'm trying to, I've, been trying to change a lot of habits for a long time. It was five years ago now that I went to the doctor with, we'll call it IBS. I think anyone who knows what IBS is knows that around a certain age after a certain lifestyle, it's kind of an inevitable first symptom of you're not, you're not, really, you're not really living your best life. And uh, the doctor looked at my bloods and he said, he said, whoa, uh, sir, do you know what a stroke is? Uh, yeah, <laughs> he didn't like the looks of things. They can tell everything from your blood. And he could tell that I had been eating like a baby at a birthday party and uh, drinking like one too, like it was... Uh, first week of university every week. And uh, I was smoking cigarettes as well. And all those things I'd been doing for ages and not exercising and spending tons of time sitting in front of the computer. Basically, every waking hour working on uh, online stuff that I was working on. And it was destroying my health and my body. My metabolism had slowed right down. And of course, you know, that was partially because of age as well. And... Um, on top of that, uh, it was a nerve wracking time. So I had all this cortisol firing through me because I was constantly in fight or flight. And I had ballooned up to, at my worst, at my fattest, I'm going to use that term, okay? At my fattest, because it's about myself. I'm not calling someone else a fatty. I'm calling me. Uh, I was 92 kilograms, which... Now I'm going to have to use my phone while I'm recording to look up what that is. But uh, so I was 92 kilos and that is big for my size. I'm 5'9". It was defined as, um, as obese at that point. Gram, kilogram. Oh my gosh. Sorry, everybody. There we go. Pound. Let's see if I do this once. Okay. Yeah, that is big. Wow. I crossed 200 pounds. So at my worst, I was, I was 92. You could see it in the face. It was pretty awful. And so since then, uh, at my best, I got down to, uh, let's say 79. I was under 80. And that was nice. Okay, 174. I can live with that. I think my ideal is supposed to be like 169. So, or 164, I can't remember. I know that at my lightest ever, sorry, I'm doing the pound kilo conversion because uh, down here in New Zealand, everything is kilograms on the scale. So I've just gotten used to that. Uh, and I do know that a lot of the world is, pounds unless you're in England and then it's stone and forget that. So um, that's even older than pounds, isn't it? So yeah, my worst was 92 and of course stressed out. And when you're, when you're that bad 
and you've really let yourself go, it's, it's, there's so many things to try and rein back in. It's all the, the cards are stacked against you. It's really hard because it's, it's at that point, it's habitual and it's lifestyle. And one by one, um, I, I started taking care of things, but it took ages. I first, I fought for two years and didn't make it anywhere. It's been five years. Are you ready for another douchey uh, term? It's been a weight loss journey, okay? Won't you join me on this journey? <laughs> oh, man. I've lost everybody by now. Um, this is the first one, remember. Okay, I'll get better, I promise. So up and down and up and down. I'm not going to go into the full story. I did discover at some point... Um, what they call low carb, but it's not keto. And I do try to eat low-ish carb. And when I say low carb, it means just not a mountain of spaghetti and not a mountain of uh, any kind of pasta or bread or that stuff. You try to just build your meals around, uh, you know, that palm-sized piece of protein and then as many cruciferous vegetables as you would like. And then I do a little bit of carb because... I find that it helps with digestion because going back to the IBS, um, I find if I just go protein and and veg, for some reason there's with with no starch, it just doesn't it doesn't digest very well. So it's been a it's been a long tumultuous pathway of ups and downs and binges and everything, and I'm not going to go fully into it. I will say that. At one point recently, I got down to 79 kilograms. So what did we say? 174 pounds. I was pretty happy with that weight. And I was exercising and really keeping the food intake to just basically lunch and dinner and then trying so hard not to snack. But I haven't done a restrictive diet where you say, I'm not going to eat this or I'm not going to eat that. Oh, by the way, at some point, we're going to talk about music. This is the preamble about lifestyle and family. And then the second half, we'll get into music. So if you're here because you saw the, um, I don't know, I think I'm going to put some thumbnails, uh, some guitars in the thumbnail images. I, I don't know, man. What do you want? Okay. <laughs> I'm doing my best. So anyway, let's continue with the, uh, the weight loss journey. So I, uh, I got down to that weight. And you know what happens when you get down to that weight. You just bounce right back up. So anyway, long and short, earlier this week, I stepped onto the scale and lo and behold, 84 kilos. How did that happen? And I'd been thinking for the last little while, I was like, oof, these pants are getting tight again. What's going on? And it seems like my tub of guts is kind of protruding a little bit more than usual. What's happening here? And sure enough, I was scared to, to step on the scale because I try not to make it a, 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 a ritualistic thing. I don't really check it that often. But, uh, you know, I just feel, feel like if you're going to live your life the way you live it and you just feel good and your clothes fit good, that's what more do you want at, you know, at my age? So you just want to live that way. But uh, I stepped onto the scale and was like, okay, that makes sense. And then I just thought back to the last couple of weeks and it's like, Oh yeah, I did order pizza and then we've been doing, we've been almost habitually doing junk food every Friday, pizza or fish and chips. And it's just because you don't want to cook. Because like I said, I didn't, I didn't cut out anything. I just controlled the portion size, the time that I eat and ramped up the quality. Because I know people want to go with those goofy, very restrictive diets. I, again, I don't want to say anything bad about different diets, but if it's too restrictive, you just pine for it. You know, you just, you pine away for the thing that you're now not allowing yourself to have. So I'll get into the, the cigarettes and the booze and all that in another, in another date. Cause right now we're just talking about the fatty. So anyway, I decided a couple of days ago that I had to rein it in and it's been tough because you look back and you've been kind of being a little bit lax on, you know, re rewarding yourself too much. And, and those, those little rewards that say bowl of whatever, I, my, my guilty pleasure is cereal with dried fruit, yogurt, jam, peanut butter, that <laughs> turns into a mountain of just calories. 
And that's the one that I go to because we couldn't, we couldn't keep the, the Doritos and the other junk food in the house any longer. So you're like, okay, I'm going to have, I'm giving in to temptation after dinner. I'm going to have a, I'm going to have something. And so you just start raiding the pantry, looking for anything with sugar in it. And that's what it winds up being. And, and then it's just substituted. But on top of doing that too often, I've been there. Stuff has made its way into the house, let's just say. And then there's still been the alcohol. So anyway, the good thing about trying to lose weight repeatedly for a long time is that you develop habits and slowly your lifestyle becomes, it becomes part of your lifestyle. It's, It's not that I'm on this restrictive diet and every moment you're always thinking about it. Because I remember when I first tried to change my habits, oh man, the hormones, like after, let's say a bike ride, like what I just did this morning, I, I would be eating everything in the fridge. The hormones would be going crazy right now. And it's only 11 o'clock in the morning, but now I can, I can hold out until uh, I'm going to have lunch at 1230. And, you know, I'm, I'll do a nice, it's a, it'll be something structured, um, leftovers from earlier this week. Protein, like I said, exactly exactly what I described, just in the form of leftovers, and then party's over, nothing else until dinner. Anyway, that's the lifestyle I'm trying to live right now, with exercising regularly, and then keeping up on all the stuff and being a being a good dad, a house dad. I'm I'm doing the cooking these days. Uh, I'm at home, and so I'm doing those things. But honestly. So here we're getting into some more of the notes. You know what life feels? You, you would think, oh, you just sit around all day at home and, uh, you know, just have all the comforts of home. No, not true at all. You're constantly looking at the clock. The TV never comes on, right? Don't, don't think that, you know, it's constant trips to the snackaroo and, and TV blaring all day. It's nothing like that. It's a to-do list that you can never get through. And yesterday I had, uh, as they call them down here, tradies in the house installing some, um, some cabling, some internet cabling, extending it up into the second floor, which I've needed to get done for a long time. And so these guys were here. And so then you're at their mercy, moving furniture around, accommodating them. And the whole time I'm looking at the clock because I got to be at the school at three o'clock to pick up my daughter. And at the same time, I'm cooking a shepherd's pie for dinner. So I'm like, I'm staring at the clock. I'm answering this guy. They're coming in the kitchen. Uh, sir, they didn't call me sir, but you know, <laughs> um, you know, do, do, do you have a vacuum cleaner? We've made a bit of a mess upstairs. And so you're, you're doing all this. I'm looking at the sky. I was like, you know what I am right now? Minus, minus the blow uh, the addiction and being a drug dealer in a helicopter in the sky, it's all, I'm Ray Liotta from the last scene of Goodfellas. Like, you know, I, I had to stir the sauce. And, but the whole day I, I had to be here at three and I had to drop off this. I'm, I'm like, I feel like him. Like I'm, I'm going to have an anxiety attack. And the whole point of, you know, trying to work from home and have a bit more of a simpler lifestyle is not to get the anxiety shooting through the roof all the time. Because when you do that, then the cortisol fires off. Then you have no chance of losing weight because you're always in a fight or flight state. And even if you exercise or restrict your diet, your body just holds on to fat. And then when I'm in that fight or flight state, I want to drink. I want to drink booze. And I want, I want to start right in the middle of the day because that's a reaction that I have. That's, that's my knee-jerk reaction. Something happens, I just go... I need a drink. And so it's a daily struggle to try and not get my anxiety level up to that point so that nothing is ever a big panic. Because I've come up with this theory that everything, nothing is is bad to do, okay? I, I, I used to be a house painter and I still do painting around the house here. And if I have plenty of time to do it, it's not even that bad. I remember doing it for a living and thinking it was, you know, it sucks. But it's not true. I didn't actually mind doing it. 
It's just, it's just, it's just if you're in a rush, everything stinks. And I lived my life for about six years, always in a rush. And when you're in a rush, nothing is enjoyable, no matter what it is you're doing. It could be the funnest thing. Just think about eating lunch. You know, if you have 15 minutes to shovel it in your face, it doesn't matter what the food is. It's no fun. You're just trying to shovel it in your face before a siren goes off, whatever, whatever that is. In my case, the siren is my young son screaming in my ear because um, he's 18 months. So I'm always trying to, trying to keep the anxiety level low by staying calm and enjoying the process of things. And so I was trying to just enjoy the process of making this shepherd's pie, right? <laughs> I'm just going to do the meat and then I got a system for the veggies and it's going to be, oh, weren't I a great guy making dinner for everybody? But the whole time... It's just slightly getting out of control as I'm like looking at the clock and then the clouds are coming and it's, we've, we had some horrific rain because it's getting into autumn down here. And um, this is the change of seasons. And when that happens, it pours rain. And so, um, and it, but un, unlike uh, the Pacific Northwest where it pours rain for two, week, two weeks straight, here generally it's on and off and on and off through the day. So you get windows of nice weather. So if you want to brave it, go on outside, you may get soaked. And it's generally right as you're walking from your car to the school to pick up your kid. That's right when the skies decide to open. So yeah, like Ray Liotta, I'm looking at the clock, I'm trying to cook dinner, I'm thinking about picking up my kid. It was just, what a day. And I thought, this is the very thing that I don't want life to be like. I've made all these changes and, and here it is. This is no better than when I was managing a crew of people and answering their, fielding their questions all day and, you know, like, calm down, man. So I'm trying to rein it back and I've noticed as I get older, I just, I like to be by myself more. I like, I like quiet and I like to be by myself uh, and just have periods of time where I can just kind of be reflective and if you can get all those things and put all those things together, you can have this really nice little day. And then if you put those little days together, you know, you've had a good week and then a good month. And then that's how you build a nice life. And then you have good habits. And then hopefully if you do have one of those kind of gong show days where you're, everything's gone weird and kind of off script, well, you can deal with that that one time, you know. Uh, but it's not every day. You've constructed a nice little life for yourself where you're a bit insulated from just the goofiness of things. Uh, and that's, that comes with just practicing that day over and over and over again. That's what I've found. And so that's the life I'm trying to live. And so here I am kind of journaling these days. Um, and this is why I'm kind of not into the idea of calling this thing a podcast. It's more like a, a journal. How am I doing so far? I, I hope you're still with me. Uh, I'm having a good time saying all this stuff and uh, kind of sharing it. And I want to share it with anyone who's listening out there. If I can find an audience, fantastic. Uh, I'm looking forward to sharing these types of things with an audience. And uh, that being said, I'm going to move on now into the musical stuff. So we can, we can come back to all these things about goals and trying to, you know, turn it around um, weight-wise. As I said, I'm, I'm back up right now, but un unlike before where I was like, that's it, starting today, I'm never, never eating another thing that has sugar or carbs in it. <laughs> Cigarettes and alcohol are out the door. I'm never having them again and no more cake. No, it's not going to work. So you got to build the habits and accept the fact that it's just the way life is. So we have to go to a party this, this weekend and it's an overnight thing with our kids and everything. So I will be drinking and um, happy to say I haven't had a cigarette in over a year. We'll get into that later. But, um, but yeah, I, so I'm not going to drop four kilos before this weekend. So I'm just, just one day at a time. Let's move on. We're talking about music, right? Music's a big part of my life. And uh, I write music. I write songs. And uh, have written many, many. Are we in the thousands yet? Maybe. Close to a thousand, probably. 
All right, this is take two, actually. Uh, this is the very next day now. And I listened back to the hour-long uh, show, shall we call it? And it was um, the first half. Uh, I liked it. <laughs> I, I thought, uh, uh, as my wife quite often says when we do vocal takes, and uh, she sings for me uh, with, the, with the choral backup vocals, and uh, maybe there's some inflection or something that I'm, I'm not crazy on, but on the whole, it's great. Maybe I just wanted to change one thing and I'll say, can you do it again? Uh, and she'll say, well, it's not going to be any better than that last take. So she knows her limitations. She knows this is as good as it gets. And I kind of feel that um, the first half hour introducing myself was probably as good as it's going to get. So uh, I'm not going to bother re-recording it, but... The second half hour, I told a few anecdotes and there was a lot of long pregnant pauses and I lost my train of thought and I thought it was kind of, um, it, it was boring. I mean, it's all, it, I, I could hear the comments already and I can hear the comments now on this one before I've even recorded it. I can imagine the comments being, uh, well, he tried a second time and it was still just as bad or imagine how bad the first one was <laughs> if this is the do over. But I'm going to go ahead and start um, and retell these, these stories of three instances where uh, music had a weird gravitational pull towards me and, uh, and we interacted with a piece of music where um, it's, it's just kind of about the, uh, the weird connection we have with music and how we can sometimes be drawn to one particular melody uh, over a long period of time. And I'll explain what I mean. So I was listening to uh, Spotify as I was cooking dinner. And this is uh, going back several weeks ago now. And I was listening to an album by Jackson Brown. And I think the album is called The Pretender. It's got a beautiful song on it called The Pretender. And strangely enough, that song had come across my radar because of the Spotify algorithm. When you listen to... Quite often on Spotify, when you listen to an album and it comes to the end, it'll just roll on into a playlist of stuff that it's algorithmically matched up with uh, previous stuff you've listened to. So what your tastes are and also uh, based a lot on the very last thing that you listen to. And some of the coolest stuff that's come across my radar through Spotify has been from that. Actually, um... Pete Townsend, I heard of this really cool Pete Townsend album of the era of like Let My Love Open the Door and stuff. And uh, yeah, I remember that, that one coming across my radar. And anyway, this was an old Jackson Brown album. And I'd never really gotten into Jackson Brown. And now I'm a huge fan. I mean, he wrote one of my favorite songs of all time, which is uh, Take It Easy by the Eagles. That was a Jackson Brown song. And um, it doesn't get much better than that song in, in my books. Uh, because I just love that uh, sawing the guitar in half G chord country sound. So anyway, and but just there's so much music out there. I, you know, you don't have time to listen to it all. So thank you Spotify for pairing up uh, these you know artists that may, may not have come across my radar and kind of putting them in front of my face. So I was listening to uh, or in front of my ears, shall we say? So I was listening to uh, this Jackson Brown album called The Pretender. Fantastic album. I think it's 1977. Uh, really, it's got that 70s sound as well, where it's minimalist, kind of like Fleetwood Mac rumors. That was the sound back then, really dry drums, just a piano and a bass guitar, understated, but gorgeous singer-songwriter stuff. And I love that, because I am a singer-songwriter. And uh, it rolls on into just a playlist of stuff. And all of a sudden, a guy comes across my radar, and I've never heard this song before. And as I'm listening to this, these various different music uh, songs by kind of more obscure type bands I hadn't heard of, one called Driving and Crying, they were cool. I, they came across my radar later when I was reading the book by, written by the drummer from the Black Crows. He said that Driving and Crying were a big Atlanta band in the early, early 90s when they were coming up. And so anyway, that there it was. They came across my radar and some other ones. And all of a sudden, there's this one. And it's this 
big sexy hook. And uh, speaking of big sexy hooks, that's going to become a, a show on this podcast in the future where we kind of explore songs that have big sexy hooks. Um, that's a Michael Bolton reference if you've seen that video by The Lonely Island. Anyway, moving on. Uh, this song came across my radar, Big Sexy Hook, and uh, it goes, Wasn't I always a friend to you? Wasn't I always a friend to you? And uh, it's re just really hooky and awesome, and I was like, what is that song? And I looked at, at uh, you know, the phone, and it says, Alejandro Escovedo. And I'm like, who is that? And so I start kind of looking into him, and uh, the first thing that surprised me was that he, all of his albums are in English, because I thought for sure this is going to be a Spanish-speaking guy who's doing an English, um, an English album, like uh, Julio Iglesias, or, you know, just his primary languages, with a name like that, you know, he didn't, he didn't take a stage name. Nope, he's always been that, and he's got a massive catalog of albums and he's kind of a musician's musician. So I start looking into him, and he's born in like 50, 1950, 50, 51 or something. So that would make him like 70 now. And man, is he prolific. He's still right around uh, 2006. He's got, one, he's got an album every year for, since, on Spotify since 1998 up until almost now. He's got almost an album every year, 18 months or so. It's prolific. I was like, oh, gosh. This is going to be too much. Sometimes it's like when you discover a TV show and there's like five seasons of it and you're like, I can't, I can't invest in this. I just, I'm just, I, I'm, can I start over? That happens to me on Netflix constantly. Um, it happened just the other night. I went to go watch a show. It had Martin, what's his name, who was in... Uh, I know his name's Martin something, and he was he was in uh, the Lord of the Rings movies, but I I always know him as the the first Jim from the Office, or he was you know he was the Office guy in in Ricky Gervais's Office, that actor. Anyway, I went to go put the show on, and uh, I'm like, yeah, I love him. I'm gonna watch this show, and uh, I thought it was a movie though. <laughs> and my wife goes, no, that's a that's a TV show. Are you ready to invest? And I was like, nope. I was in if it was a movie. I was excited about it. And, uh, but no, I don't have time for a series. It wasn't Fargo either. It was something else. Anyway, holy crap. Stay on topic, man. This is the second take of this too. So anyway, I'm listening to Alejandro Escovedo and I, I start looking into a few of the albums. First, I go straight for that one with that song on it. And it's from 2006. And then there's one from 2008. It's fantastic as well. So I'm kind of hanging out listening to those two albums for a couple of weeks. And one day Spotify does that thing again. It rolls on into a playlist. And sure enough, I'm listening to random stuff I haven't heard before. And my ears pop up and I go, wow, I, I know that guy's voice. Who's, who, who is that? This is a great song. There it is again, Alejandro Escovedo. And... It's one of his other 17 or 18 albums on Spotify that I haven't listened to before. And I think, uh, oh, okay, I'm going to remember that one. I should have just taken a screenshot, I suppose, of, <laughs> of the album, but I didn't. Anyway, the song was called Castanets, and it was from, I think, a 2006 or 2016 album. I don't know. It's hard to read now because I'm at that age where I can't see my phone any longer. As a friend of ours uh, uh, has coined, I'm not going to say this isn't my phrase. It's a friend of mine from Canada. He says, I need a selfie stick to look at my phone. It's true. I can't see it unless it's like a meter away from my face now. Anyway, it was this album from that uh, era. It's a 10-year spread there. I'm not sure. Six or 16. It was a, there was six at the end. Songs called Castanets and... Um, and I think, oh man, that's another of his albums I got to look up then because that song's fantastic. So again, I love this guy. I'm a big fan. So a couple days later, I'm trying to listen to, find that song. I'm like, where is this Alejandro Escovedo song? You know, not the one off the two albums I'm listening to, but the new album, 
Well, I couldn't remember. I couldn't remember. The title of the song was called Castanets. I couldn't remember that. And I'm thinking, oh gosh, there's 18 albums now that I'm going to have to pour through. And uh, just to find this one really cool tune, I'll never find one song in 18 albums. It's too hard. And um, I just randomly picked an album that I thought the cover looked similar to the cover that I'd seen like a week ago. And I'm listening to it and by about the second track, there's the song. And I'm like, that's the song. I recognized the melody. I'm like, that's the song that kind of made me perk up. So it's a very weird thing, music, is that it's like a diamond in, 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 among, in amongst coal, you know, or, or like a gold nugget. Like you can listen to a ton and ton and ton of it and be like, nope, 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 nope. And then when you hear that one song, you're like, that's the one I've heard a long time ago. I recognize that song. I recognize that, that taste, that flavor, that flavor to my ears. It was amazing that I was like, that's the very song that Spotify had recommended to me. And I randomly chose this album and it just kind of randomly within a couple of songs came across it. So I looked at it. I think that time I definitely took a screenshot or, well, now I know it because I've said it so many times, Castanets. So it's that album. But um, I thought, isn't that weird and lucky that I found this song out of 17 albums and I didn't have to go sit there carefully listening through 17 albums, waiting for that, that hook to come across my ears. It just kind of gravitationally made its way towards me. And I wonder if, if, if you're listening at this point, if you've ever had an experience like that, because I have actually had several experiences like that. I had another experience and this is, it reminded me of this one. This is a, a huge one, probably my biggest in my life memory of a song coming back to me was uh, one of my favorite bands of all time is the Tragically Hip. They're a Canadian rock band and um, uh, God rest Gordon Downey's soul. He was the singer from that band and he went too young uh, just a few years ago now. It's hard to believe it's even, it feels like it was yesterday, but I think it was at least two years ago, the singer, he died of brain cancer. And um, much too young, in his early 50s. Um, but I grew up listening to this band. I discovered them in early, uh, in high school. And um, they just, I was one of those Canadians that just loved them. They never broke in the States. They were a uniquely Canadian thing. And as they were coming up, they, they were our band. They were the ones that we would make a road trip down to Toronto to go and see these guys play. And I saw them play at Ontario Place when it had a spinning stage. So it was circular. It didn't matter where you sat on the outside. The stage spun. Fantastic concert. And they were promoting, at that time, their first album. And I saw this concert and their big song at the time was a song called New Orleans is Sinking. And it's a blues jam in the key of E. And that's all it is. It's a, it's a you know, one, four, five... Uh, blues pattern, right? Goes to the five. Turn around and back onto the root. Lands on the root. New Orleans is sinking, man, and I don't want to swim. Uh, great song. Killer guitar riff. Uh, great guitar player, Bobby Baker. And the combination of Gordon Downey and Bobby Baker on the lead guitar. It was Canada's version of all the great bands where you got a great... Great lead guy on the guitar who compliments this eccentric vocalist, and that's what they were. And I still love them. They're a very prolific band, too, for the years that they uh, produced music. They were, um, there's a lot of albums out there. So go check them out. They're on Spotify. Anyway, I was at this concert. It's pre-university, and uh, I hear this uh song New Orleans is sinking but in the middle of New Orleans is sinking they go into this other song so it's a huge jam and all of a sudden they go into this other song and it's it's dark and it's uh it 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 starts out mellow but then it explodes into emotion and it rocks out and then it brings back down and it's like this tumultuous emotional ride it's in a minor key and you know minor keys rock man and um and uh, it just took me on this massive journey. And then when the song's over, 
They go back into New Orleans is sinking. They, they land right at the beginning of the third verse of New Orleans is sinking and finish that song. So they sandwiched this amazing thing I'd never heard before in between New Orleans is sinking, you know, in between verse two and verse three and making the whole track, you know, 10 minutes long, but I loved every second of it. I was a super fan then and still am. And um, so then... Time goes on, you know, a few months when you're young, though, that seems like a long time, six months. And, and I'm talking with my friends and saying, oh, I was at this, this concert this summer and it was fantastic. And they did New Orleans and Sink. And, and then they went into this other song in the middle of it. And I, I, I couldn't describe what the song was. And by the way, this song has no chorus. There's no chorus in this song. It's just this epic story that rambles. And a few months later, they come out with a new album and you know, it's, it's amazing. People talk about, you know, the Beatles era in the 60s when they would wait for a new Beatles album to come out. And I was that way growing up, waiting for Tragically Hip albums. I remember when, um, oh, I forget all their names now. I think it's Fully Completely. I just looked this up the other day because I, I was going down memory lane and that's where, and, and, and I wanted to remember this story. So the, the album was, I remember when Fully Completely came out and then this album was in the break in between fully completely. That's when I saw the show. And then this album came out and it's called Day for Night. And that's the album that this song is on. And I hope I get that right. I might have the order mixed up. But anyway, so this album Day for Night had this song on it. But I didn't know this yet. I just hoped. I was like, oh, the new hip album's here. Let's go have a listen. And uh, I really hope that there's that song on it. But I was like, how am I going to know it? I don't remember a single word from the song. It had no chorus. And all I know is it was emotional and it was kind of a roller coaster and it was this epic song. So I sat there listening. I put the CD on and listened to it all the way through track after track. And the song, this particular song is laid in the album. This song is called Nautical Disaster. And it starts out, it's a slow burn at the beginning and, and then it builds up and explodes into the band. And it's um, when I finally heard the lyrics and understood what it was about. Well, you'll never understand what it's about because Downing was a poet and his lyrics were always metaphorical and uh, very kind of oblique. Is that a word to describe lyrics? Uh it was hard to figure out what any of his stuff meant, but that's the beauty of it is you take your own meaning from it. The song Nautical Disaster, if you look at the lyrics literally for what they, their literal interpretation is, it's, it's literally about uh, guys in a boat who have, um, I, I suppose on a warship, been struck by a torpedo or whatever. You don't know. They're floundering in the water. And they're uh, going to perish and uh, there's, there's lifeboats and he's one of the lucky ones who manages to get on the lifeboat and get away as, as some of the other men are, are dying. And um, then he reflects in the third verse to uh, a woman and he says it's a nightmare that haunts him. I have always thought that that song is about... Uh, a relationship and it's all a metaphor for um, either losing a person or uh, a, just a horrible, horrible breakup. <laughs> That's what I've always thought. I'm getting emotional thinking about it because I, I love, I love the song so much and it still impacts me. Anyway, I put, the, uh, I put that album on and listened to it all the way through. And sure enough, I found that song. And I don't know how I knew that that was the song. Like I knew it. I knew it the way that when you taste cilantro, you know that you're eating cilantro. You know that flavor. That when you put cumin into anything, it... Tastes like you're south of the border, down Mexico way. I mean, it. It's a. It was distinctive. It hit me, and I said, "That's the song that they did, in, 
they sandwiched in that other song. Now, it turns out <laughs> 25 years later, 30 years later, I can't even remember what the year was, um, mid-90s. So yeah, 25 years later, that, that's not really that surprising. Oh, they played Nautical Disaster in the middle of New Orleans is Sinking. Well, guess what? They have several live albums where they do that exact trick. So it's like, yeah, yeah, that's the song they always shove in there. But the thing was, this, the, the, the live album that they released that, where they do that trick on it, that live album didn't exist. So at this very time, nobody knew that. And of course, there was no real internet to look things up back then. So I just had to go on this memory of a song I'd heard one time standing at a rock concert. And I couldn't believe that... I had found it again, but I had. So there's another example of us kind of gravitationally, um, almost like a magnet, magnetically getting pulled towards uh, a song, a hook, a melody, um, the way that we put music together. Uh, I'm not sure, you know? Tom Petty said music is magic. You know, he said it's the closest thing he ever, uh, you know, saw on earth to magic. And uh, I'm paraphrasing, but, you know, that's, that's pretty neat to hear a song one time and uh, at a concert and six months later recognize it, particularly when the song has no chorus <laughs> and no definable. I couldn't remember one lyric from the song, but I said, that's it. One more example. There's a song called, uh, well, it's, it's actually not called Down by the River in the Rain. That's the chorus of the song. Down by the river in the rain. And we listen to it on a mixed CD that I get sent to me. They're called Groove Doodles. And uh, I'm not going to go into the whole story of the Groove Doodles, but let's just say Groove Doodles are mixed CDs that arrive in my mailbox and I love them. Because when I drive around in my car, I like to listen to CDs. I have a smartphone, obviously. Come on. What do you think I'm <laughs> recording this on? Uh, but I don't like connecting it to Bluetooth, and it's just too hard. It's huge fines now for driving around with your phone, too. So, like, put the phone away, man. Give it a rest, all right? Get back to the 90s with a CD, brother. So I have these mixed CDs that arrive in the mail. It's not a CD of the month club. Well, it is, but I don't have to pay for it. Anyway, so I'm list I have various groove doodles. And the guy who makes the groove doodles for the for me, he puts the title of the the song and the, the like the artist and title. He he goes through all this trouble. He's just a music lover who sends them to me. And friend of ours. And anyway, so there was one that I was listening to, and this has gotta go back two years ago now, and I had this song Down by the River in the Rain, and my daughter loved it. So one day she was asking for it recently. She said, Daddy, I want to hear Down by the River in the Rain. And I tried to look it up on Spotify first just to immediately find it because I had a stack of like 12 discs. And I was, I was like, I don't want to go looking through all of them because I had moved on to a, a newer groove doodle. On Spotify, I couldn't find a song called Down by the River in the Rain. It just wasn't there. And I didn't know the, the artist's name because they're all mixed and they're quite often obscure people that this guy is recommending to me to have a listen to. That's how I kind of got hooked on Keith Urban. Don't judge. I like him. He, sh he shreds on the guitar, that dude. And uh, country guys do shred on the guitar. Uh, that Brad Paisley. Whoa. Him and Keith Urban, man. They, they're on fire. They're like the country version of Eddie Van Halen. Um, that's a whole nother podcast. But... Um, yeah, he's introduced me to a few. Another guy I want to mention, Jason Isbell, uh, unbelievable songwriter. So anyway, Down by the River in the Rain, I couldn't remember who sang it, and uh, now I can't find it on Spotify. So my daughter and I are driving home, and I pull out the stack of discs, we pull in the garage, and I'm like, I want to find this right now. I've had enough of this, <laughs> this monkey business. I'm finding that song. So I start looking through through all the discs and I can't see it on any of them. I'm reading through copious amounts of, uh, you know, track listings and band names on 12 different discs. No glasses. You know about my eyesight. And um, 
I'm just like, I'm getting frustrated. And so finally I'm like, I don't know. I don't know, sweetie. I, I can't find it. It's not on here. And that doesn't make any sense. So I grab one and uh, I go, look, it was around this era. Here's some of the other songs that I feel like were kind of connected to that song. And you can understand that, right? Like it's like if you hear, uh, I don't know, girls just want to have fun. You're, you're going to think of Boy George next, right? Like they're kind of in the same ballpark. So um, I'm like, it's kind of around this one. So I put the disc, the disc that I think was around that era. I pop it in. It finishes this one song. It's got like 15 seconds left of this one track. Quick pause, goes into the next track. Boom, there it is. Dong, ding, dong, dong. Starts into the guitar riff. We look at each other and we're like, this is the song. I'm like, oh my gosh. Here it is. How, what? I, I didn't see it on the track listing. I look on the track listing. The name of this track is Wednesday's Child. It's not called Down by the River in the Rain. It only says Down by the River in the Rain 400 times in the song. And then the, there's a throwaway line, Wednesday's child, that ends up being the, the title that they picked for the song. Frustrating. I can't blame them though. I've got, I've wrote a song called Strawberry. It doesn't say anything about strawberries in it. It's a move. People do it. So anyway, Wednesday's child by, I don't know, Solomon Smith. I can't remember. I don't know. I don't know what the band's name was again. But this is the point about the music, is sometimes we don't remember the title, we don't remember anything about it, but there it is. It just boomeranged back to me, like, out of the blue. I couldn't believe it. Um, maybe do great albums do that? I mean, Pearl Jam's 10 has certainly boomeranged back to me many times. Um, and when they're great, they're great. I mean, speaking of great, uh, how good is Guns N' Roses' Appetite for Destruction? Like... I was talking about this with a friend the other day and, and I said, uh, you know, there's another, there's another series I want to do called, <laughs> called Sniffing Out Stinkers. I can't wait to do it. I can't wait to do a first episode of S Sniffing Out Stinkers because I was listening to uh, Skid Row and they had come across my radar and I, I, saw, I could see 18 in Life on the track listing of that album, their, their seminal album. But there's a, you gotta get, you gotta get through a lot of bad stuff to get to that song. Like, there's like four tracks before it and some of them are awful. Shake, shake, shake it like a rattlesnake. And I, you're just like, whoa, dude. So I thought that's a good uh, sort of idea for a, for a show on here is we can kind of go through some old albums and talk about the really bad tracks that we're glossing over. And I, I mentioned this to a friend of mine and he said, um, he said, what about Poison? And I was like, yeah, you're right. I mean, even some of their good songs were still pretty bad, you know? And he said, it's honestly over time um, when it, you're talking about those 80s bands that they now call hair metal. They weren't called that at the time though, but all those bands and look, they were a guilty pleasure. They're, they're, they speaking of big sexy hooks, they all had big sexy hooks, and they were saccharine and uh, and but very sing alongable, and they were little pretty boys that looked like women, and it was a whole thing. I mean, we know it. And then G and R came in, blew the whole thing apart because they weren't quite as makeupy and hair metally, and um, they had this album that was actually released in '87, which is the height of the hair metal. But it didn't kind of blow up for a couple of years. It was a slow burn, apparently. It sat on the shelf. And when it did, uh, there's, it's all killer, no filler, that album. There's, not, there's like not really a bad track on it. It doesn't... When you put Appetite for, Destru Appetite for Destruction next to, say, Poisons Open Up and Say Ah or the Skid Row album, um... And then you want to say, say you put those three track listings next to each other and then take a highlighter and highlight the great songs on them. Uh, <laughs> I don't want to say what makes this song great. You know why? Rick Beato, huge channel. He's trademarked that phrase, what makes this song great. Um, 
but look, you can trademark that all you want, Rick. You can't stop us from talking about great albums and great songs, right? So I think sniffing out stinkers and um, big sexy hooks are better anyway. I'll try and trademark them. No, I won't. Um, I'll just use them and then wait until I get a cease and desist from Michael Bolton. <laughs> um, look, you know what? I'm not going to ramble anymore. That was the point that I wanted to say. I'm at a half an hour right on the button. So I've got the first half hour from yesterday, the second half hour from today. And my coffee's gone cold. I'm ready to move on. I've had a great time recording this, talking about music. I can't wait to do more of these. And whomever you are out there, dear listener, I hope you've enjoyed. Um, I am really really excited about this. I'm putting work and time and thought into this. Um, Yeah, I'm going to sign off. That's the end of episode one, recorded in two different sessions. See you in the next one. Good talking at you. Cheers.